Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Isaiah, if you will, the 24th chapter. Isaiah chapter 24. This is a section of Isaiah that's called the uh, Isaiah's small apocalypse. And because it deals with judgments of the tribulation period and also blessings of the millennial age, this whole section, and this section covers only four chapters, chapter 24, 25, 26, and 27. And for each of these chapters, there is a title. On chapter 24, it's the Lord will judge his enemies. Chapter 25, the Lord will preserve his people. And chapter 26 and 7 together, the Lord will restore the nation. Of course, this is basically what you'll find in these three chapters. The Lord will judge his enemies. The Lord will preserve his people. And then two chapters, 26 and 7, the Lord will restore the nation. After prophesying concerning the 11 different nations that we just finished in the last chapter, when we took up the 23rd chapter, well, Isaiah enlarged his prophecy and described a judgment that would fall on the whole world. Let's read that first verse and we'll talk about it. We say this is the final judgment of all humanity and it is uh, the great tribulation period. And it's a coming judgment will be on the entire earth. Let's read verse 1. It says, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. You know, the same, two, the same word, empty and waste, is used in the chaotic condition that we find in the very beginning of the Bible. The earth became without form and void. And it's the same word that's used. But I want you to notice the word earth. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth The Hebrew word E-R-E-T-S is used 16 times in this 24th chapter. And it's translated land, it's translated earth, and it's translated world in the King James Version of the Bible. So there's three three ways that you look at the, the word earth. Land or earth and the world. And it's not always easy to tell when E-R-E-T-S, this word, refers to one country or to the whole world or the whole earth, rather. But the context usually guides us. And in this particular instance, it describes a global judgment. It is the whole world, a global judgment that will end with the destruction of God's enemies and the restoration of God's people, Israel, in their land. And it connects us with the tribulation period when judgments will be upon the whole world. And then when we... Uh, when the, after that tribulation period is over, at the end of it, God will restore Israel in their own land. And so Isaiah is foreseeing that, and you'll find as we progress in the context of this chapter, uh, many of these things that are true. Isaiah had warned the northern kingdom that the Assyrians would destroy them, and that came true. And he told Judah that the Babylonians would take them captive, and that came true. But these local calamities were only forerunners of a vast end-of-time catastrophe that would uh, engulf the whole world. So what happened to, as far as Assyria and as far as uh, Babylon is concerned, in connection with Israel of old, are only forerunners and kind of a type and a picture of what is really going to happen at the end time. In fact, you'll find many times over, we've already read the title, In That Day, or The Day of the Lord. 
and it refers to a future time in that day. And the day of the Lord or the day of Jehovah is called a day that is a terrible day and a dark day and a dismal day and a day of judgment. And so we're going to find the term in that day in this passage of Scripture in, in the 24th chapter referring to a future time in which there will be judgment upon the world. And we know that we study in the book of Revelation and find that that judgment begins in the 6th chapter of Revelation and then it ends in the 19th chapter of Revelation when God, when the Lord comes from heaven in power and great glory and judges the kings of the earth and the wicked nations in the 19th chapter of Revelation. So there's a whole period of time from the 6th chapter to the 19th of Revelation that we're looking at when these judgments will be upon the whole world. And the prophets call this time of terrible judgment, as we've already said, the day of the Lord or the day of Jehovah. And in the New Testament, uh, Jesus describes it in Matthew 24. Most of us are familiar with the 24th chapter of Matthew. And he talks about then shall the tribulation of those days be and tells us what kind of tribulation will be upon the earth. And also Revelation 6 through 19. And Isaiah here makes three declarations that will comfort God's chosen people in that awesome day of judgment. And we've already given you those three declarations. That though the Lord will judge His enemies, the declarations are what we find the titles of these three sections that we just gave you at the beginning. The Lord is going to judge His enemies. That's chapter 24. And the Lord's going to preserve His people. They're going to find a refuge. Chapter 25. And then the Lord will restore uh, the nation of Israel. In chapters 26 and 27. And you know, these declarations ought to encourage us today as we see the world plunging headlong and ever into sin and rebellion and against God. We wonder if God will ever deal with the wicked or or judge the wicked. Well, God is going to. We wonder if He will ever, if there is any hope for the righteous. And there is. Because, you know, things are not always going to be like they are now. There's going to be a day that they're going to be different. There's going to be a day that God is going to make things just instead of and equal, instead of unjust and unequal as they are today. This first verse shows us the result... Let's read it again. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. And this shows us that the result of God's judgment will be a world that is empty, or laid waste, or distorted, and whose inhabitants will be scattered. And we've already mentioned that the prophet may have had in mind Genesis 1 verse 2, where it says the world became, the earth became without form and void. So there's going to be such a catastrophe and chaos that the same word is used, empty and waste. And nobody on earth will escape this, for God is no respecter of persons. Look at verse 2. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest. As with the servant, so with his master. As with the maid, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury. In other words, the judgment is coming on the entire earth and all classes of people will be included and share the same fate. God is going to, and He's no respecter of persons. doesn't make any difference what position man may hold of power or of wealth. There's no protection against the wrath of God. You know, people get the idea that they are a little more... Uh, 
privileged than someone else, but we're not. We're all the same in the sight of God. And when judgment comes, it's going to come upon the whole world. The only favor that is going to be shown is those of God's people who have found their refuge in the next chapter, the 25th chapter. They have a refuge provided, and that's the ones that will find favor in the presence of God. Aren't you glad today that in the midst of a world that's being judged, and it is, not like it will be in the tribulation period, but you say, well, why does this happen here and there in different parts of the world? Aren't you thankful today that you're under the divine protection of God as God's children? The Bible says, the eternal God, listen, is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. You read that in Deuteronomy 33, verse 17, I believe there's 34 chapters in Deuteronomy. So, you'll find that we we have protection today. Israel will have protection in the future. And the only hope is that uh, we'll see that those that find that their protection is not in their wealth or power or position against the wrath of God, but in the Lord Himself, those are the ones that are going to be saved. The Bible says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And so you stay your mind upon God and your heart upon God. And in the midst of a turmoil world, you can have peace. And that's exactly what all of us need, isn't it? And God, God merely speaks the word and like a dying invalid, the world languishes and fades away, and that's what's going to happen when this judgment comes. And people who are proud of their wealth and their position find themselves poor and without power. You know, sometimes, and I think it does us a good lesson sometimes to realize that everything is not completely under our control. Sometimes we think we've got everything under control. But I found out this many times, that we don't have everything under control. But God has everything under control. Let's read on down in verse 3 and 4, and then we'll come back and talk some more about what we've been talking about. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languisheth and fadeth away, the haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. In other words, they've corrupted themselves. Because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men are left. You find that a lot of things are going to happen. Why does God punish the inhabitants of this world? Because they have defiled this world by their sins. When Adam sinned, God cursed the ground as a part of punishment, remember? It says, By one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death had passed upon all men. He told Adam, he says, Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. He'll toil the ground. He says, Thorns and thistles it'll bring forth. So the curse is there because of men's sin and rebellion. And God warned the people of Israel that their sins had polluted the promised land, remember? He said they have corrupted themselves. When Moses came down off the mountain, God told Moses, he says, Thy people have corrupted themselves, and they've made an idol. They've, they've made idols, and they're worshiping idols. And they had corrupted themselves. And you know what corrupts the world today is man's greed. It's polluting the land and the water and the atmosphere as well ex as exploiting the earth of its God-given treasures. And sin has its consequences in nature as well as in human character and conscience. You know, you can just deplete everything you've got. 
You can go out and destroy everything around your, your house. You, you can destroy every tree and every blade of grass and every flower and everything and be nothing but dry ground and then there will be nothing to hold the vegetation and it will all wash away. There are so many things that men do to, to bring grief upon themselves. And usually greed is behind the whole thing. They want more money out of everything. Now, it doesn't mean that there cannot be a happy medium to man's use of the earth and his vain use or disuse, or uh, say, not taking care of it. If you'll notice, this chapter speaks, this verse speaks of uh, change the ordinance, ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Most Bible scholars believe this is the Noahic covenant, and some believe it's his commands in general, this covenant. But if it's the everlasting covenant, God did give Noah a covenant that was everlasting. He said, this will be an everlasting covenant. And he said, I'm going to put my bow in the cloud and I'm not going to, to again cover the earth with water and, and destroy it by a flood. And God made a covenant. And he said, I'm going to give you a token. And every time we see the sun in the rain clouds and so on and see the rainbow, we're reminded that, that God made a covenant. By the way, it's God's covenant. It's not man's covenant with God. It's God's covenant with man. You see, God said He would do it. You and I just look to it and are reminded of God's promise and God's faithfulness. But then man, on the other hand, he, what does it say here? Changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. God says, here's the land, you take care of it. Here's all the blessings of God and we have polluted and we have been greedy and we want to exploit everything for the sake of money. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of it. And money is good to use it in the right way. We take money and pay the bills. We take money and buy the groceries and and build things, put a roof over our head and increase in our uh, needs for the church and whatever. But it's all under God and it's guided in the right way. But when you love it... Someone said, well, that, that means all the wealthy people and all the millionaires. No, it means the poor people too. Say, so how does that apply to poor people? It says, they that will be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and to many foolish and hurtful lusts that drown, drown men's souls in perdition. Right? They that will be rich. A man can be just as poor as he can be and still be as guilty as far as money is concerned as a wealthy person. It all depends on your attitude about money. Did you know attitude is 90% of what you are in your life? Attitude. You, you have the right attitude about things. And we have to learn to develop that. We're not born with it. We have to develop the right attitude and learn to have the right attitude. And sometimes we have to have an attitude, what they call adjustment. Have you ever had an attitude adjustment? You heard about the old farmer who bought this mule that wouldn't plow? Did you ever hear that? He bought this mule from his neighbor farmer and the thing, he just wouldn't. He just stubborn and wouldn't do a thing. And the neighbor farmer that sold him the mule, he come over and he says, what's the matter? He says, uh, well, this mule won't plow. He says, well, he plowed real good for me. He says, he just won't move. He says, well, he needs a little attitude adjustment. He went over and got a little old two before and smacked him up beside the head. Boy, he started plowing right away. Sometimes we need get it get to our attention and smack us up beside the head with a little or something and get our attention and then maybe we have an attitude adjustment, don't we? But anyway, we know that uh, that men are so greedy and they cause a lot of these problems themselves. Now look, 
For centuries, mankind has polluted the world by disobeying God's laws and God's commands. And this was the reason for the flood. God said, there's wickedness upon the earth. And he says, it repenteth me that I've made man upon the earth. He says, I will destroy man that I've created. Sin. And long before Moses gave the law, people knew that it was wrong to kill and to lie and to steal before the law ever entered. And even after the law was given to Israel and you and I Gentiles and the Gentile nations that think that the law was given to Israel and they're the ones that still obey it and after all, it has no hold upon us, we still have a law that God has written on our conscience and on our minds. And we know when we do wrong too. You read in Romans chapter 1. Let me read it for you. Romans chapter 1 verse 18. It says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The wrath of God is is revealed what? From heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Look in chapter 2. Look at verse 16. It says, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men, by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Look at verse 14 and 15. It says, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. You see, there is such a thing that God has written the law, his laws upon our hearts and on our minds and we know when we sin this whole idea of say well you know until i know better it's not a sin but you already know better so it's already a sin that's the problem and when we approach it from the moral standpoint we're going to get far more greater results than we are just saying uh, you know trying to get people out of the the gutter and this and that and the other by the way we try to lift them out and then let them go ahead and be as mean as they want to be as long as they can get by with it. There's a lot of good programs, but the best program is God's program. The best program is to look at God's Word and not disobey His laws and follow His teachings and you won't get in all those kinds of troubles. The Bible says, Exercise thyself, what? Rather unto godliness. For godliness is profitable not only in this life, but in the life to come. It's profitable now, and it's profitable in the hereafter. So if we take as much time exercising ourselves rather unto godliness as we do, and we know we need to keep our bodies fit. Michael's in that business, keeping the body fit. And it's a good thing. It says bodily exercise profit the little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is unto that which is to come. So you need to do both. You need to take care of your body. You need to take care of your mind. You need to take care of your spiritual life. The earth is defiled, verse 5, under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth. That's what's going to happen during the tribulation period. And they that dwell therein are desolate, Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. Now, this hasn't happened yet. You can see by the context here that these things have not happened. We know there's not just a few men left. We know that the inhabitants of the earth are not all burned. We know that the whole earth is not desolate and the earth is not devoured, but it will be. So he's talking about a future time. And when we abuse both the earth, the world, and the inhabitants, we're going to have to pay for it. In verses 6 through 13, let's read this section and we'll come back and talk about it.
Let's notice 6 through 13. We just read 6. Verse 7. The new wine mourneth, the vine languisheth, and the merry hearted do sigh. The mirth of tabrets cease. Ceaseth. The noise of them that rejoice endeth. The joy of the harp ceaseth. This is all, all these things are connected with their feasts. And such celebrations would be no more. There would be a time that this would not be. They shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink shall be bitter to them that drink it. By the way, even though it shall be bitter and it's talking about a future day, it is bitter now. It has its bitter consequences. The Bible says, Wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. I would try to tell you to leave it alone in all intoxicating beverages. To leave it alone. Don't even touch it. It says, At last it biteth like a serpent. It stingeth. Stingeth like an adder. And the Bible tells in Proverbs and various passages of Scripture and Isaiah as well, the fifth chapter, I believe we read it already when we were studying the consequences of what happens. In verse uh, 10 it says, The city of confusion is broken down. By the way, the city we'll find, we'll study that a little more in just a moment when we finish reading, but we'll find it refers to uh, a general, it's a general term, not just a city, a specific city, but a city that refers to cities in general during that particular time of judgment. Every house shut up and no man may come in. So it's more than just one city. There is crying for wine in the streets and all it says all joy is darkened. The mirth of the land is gone. No more merrymaking. In the city is left desolation and the gate is smitten with destruction. When thus... It shall be in the midst of the land among the people. There shall be as the shaking of an olive tree and as the gleaning grapes when the vintage is done. In other words, God is going to shake as if a farmer was shaking off the last olive and the last grape. God will do a thorough job of judging sinners in his shaking of people and nations. Verses 6 through 13 gives us a vivid picture of what it will be like on the earth during the day of the Lord. And in Israel, the harvest was generally a time for great joy. We said that joy ceaseth. There will be no joy because there will be no harvest. You know, if you have the joy of harvest, then you have no harvest, you have no joy. And that's what's going to happen. And God's judgments will destroy the crops as well as the workers that will will till the soil to, to bring about the pr- production of crops. And the city is mentioned at least eight times in these chapters, 24, 26, and 27. I'll give you the references. And should be taken, taken generically rather than as a reference to any one particular city. Whether people live in rural areas or in cities, they will not escape God's wrath. It doesn't make any difference where they are. God's wrath and judgment will reach them. It will come to them. God will do a thorough job of judging sinners. And then the doctrine of the remnant is an important part of Isaiah's message. If you look at the next few verses, let's see verses 14 through 16. Let's read verse 14 through 16. It says, They shall lift up their voice, they shall sing for the majesty of the Lord, they shall cry aloud from the sea. Wherefore glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the sides of the sea. From the uttermost part of the earth have we heard songs, even glory, to the righteous to to the righteousness. Let's stop there. That first part of sixteen is what applies to what we're about to say. The first part. The doctrine of the remnant of Israel is an important part of Isaiah's message. And Isaiah's eldest son, if you remember, Isaiah had two sons, and his eldest son was named Sherjasub. 
S-H-E-A-R dash J-A-S-H-U-B. That's in chapter 7 and verse 3. We studied it when we were there. And it means, his eldest son, means a remnant shall return. So in Isaiah's sons, there was a prophecy of this very thing. Not only locally or historically that a remnant would return from captivity, but in the future, through the tribulation period, a remnant shall return. And Israel shall finally inherit her own land in peace But it will be after the Lord comes at the end of the tribulation period. And in Revelation chapter 20, we'll find that millennial reign upon the earth that will take place. And all the resurrected saints will go into that millennium too, as well as Israel as a people and nation. And so believers of the tribulation period, who even though exposed to the judgments, will rejoice that God is judging evil at last. Remember it says in these verses, they... Let's read verse 14 through 16 again. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. When they're restored, when the remnant shall return, when there is joy, they shall cry aloud from the sea. Wherefore glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the isle of the seas. From the uttermost part of the earth have we heard songs, even glory to the righteousness. So there will be a time that righteousness will rule and reign. Blessings. In verses 17 and 18, let's read verse 17 and 18. We'll find something else. We'll finish verse 16. But I said, My leanness, my leanness, woe unto me. The treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously. Yea, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. There's going to be a time that fear and the pit and the snare, and it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. In other words, there's no way of escape. The futile attempts will be like frightened animals to avoid the hunter's traps. He that cometh out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in a snare. In other words, if it's not one thing, it's another. For the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. In other words, God is going to bring it to pass that there will be no way of escape. Fear will take hold of people, and when they try to escape the pit, they'll be taken into a snare. There will be other things that will take hold of you. You know, when we used to live in Oklahoma, tornado watches all the time and warnings. You'd go down in the cellar. Sometimes, in my mind, I just about as soon stayed on top and be blown away as go down in the cellar and get bitten by a poisonous snake. Because usually they were full of them. So, you know, you don't have many choices. It speaks of a man going into the house to protect himself and putting his hand on the wall and a poisonous uh, viper comes out of the cracks of the walls and bites him. Remember other passages of Scripture. See, God has a way of dealing with us. And sometimes the only rest and the only peace we have is in the Lord. Don't think you're going to run away from one thing and it's going to be okay because you've escaped that. Because God knows how to deal with men. And you know, every day of my life, I think of the ways that the devil tries to attack even our bodies and cause problems with you. But remember that only God can give you peace of body and soul and spirit and mind. And all of us need that complete and total peace. We need deliverance from all the the uh, uh, sicknesses and all the diseases and all the things that attack our bodies through sometimes carelessness on our own part or sometimes just the devil trying to cause us problems in some way that's unknown to us or various things that attack us. But we need deliverance from those things. 
And we need also deliverance and peace of mind and heart. You see, the devil can attack, attack your mind as well. He can cause you to think wrong. And when you think wrong, you do wrong. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, what so is he? Well, we think a lot of things that are not good. So we better get our thinking right. The Bible says in one of the Psalms, in Psalm 119, I thought on my ways and I turned. I thought and I turned. When you get to thinking about your ways, sometimes it warrants turning toward the things of God. But here, you find these people were trying to escape one thing. There was praise by a redeemed remnant, but there were futile attempts of some that were frightened like animals to avoid the hunter's traps, and yet they would fall into, be taken into a snare. They'd uh, he that cometh up out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare, for the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. The earth, verse 19, is utterly broken down, and the earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, and shall be removed like a cottage, and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again. Talking about the earth shall fall and not rise again. And shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. Probably represents the rebellious angels who will also be judged when the kings of the earth are judged as well. You know, God is going to judge the angels, the wicked angels, Satan and all of his forces, as well as he's going to judge the kings of the earth. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible tells us, let me read in verses 11 through 13, it says, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against what? The wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The word says heavenlies. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, he says he's going to judge or punish the host of the high ones back in our text, verse 21. The host of the high ones refers to Satan and all of his powers. The high ones. These judgments will be a part of the spiritual battle that's been waging for centuries between the Lord of hosts and the armies of the devil. Remember in Revelation chapter 12, what does it say concerning the way the Lord will deal with Satan. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, which, uh, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, <clears throat> which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. See, the host of the high ones shall be judged. Uh, and his angels were cast out with him. There's the ones that be cast out. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ for the accuser of our brethren, that's what He does, is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. You know who accuses you before God and causes you more trouble than anyone else? The devil. Satan. By the way, he's not just a figment of the imagination like some of the modernists and some of society would have you believe. I believe if there's a real God, there's a real devil. And and God is just as much trying to do good for us as the devil is trying to do evil for us. And the battle is going to change when God... It shall come to pass in that day, back in our text, verse 21. In that day, it's a future day, it's the day of Jehovah, that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high, the devil and all of his angels, and 
the kings of the earth upon the earth. Look at Revelation 19, verse 19. Revelation 19, 19 says, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. What do you have? You have who's judged then? The kings of the earth and the high ones at the end of the tribulation? God is going to do that. And he's going to take care of that old devil and cast him into the lake of fire in the bottomless pit. And he's going to be bound a thousand years. In the 20th chapter of Revelation, I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on that on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So the Lord is going to come and he's going to judge the devil and his angels and he's going to judge the kings of the earth. The Bible tells us in the book of Second Peter, chapter two, verse four: For if God spared not the angels that sinned and cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, it says He put the devil in what the angels that sinned into chains of darkness, so they're being reserved unto judgment, and that judgment will take place that we read in Revelation chapter twelve when they're cast out. And the devil is going to meet his doom in Revelation chapter 20. And later on in Revelation chapter 20, he's going to, after the thousand years are finished, let me read that for you. After the thousand years are finished, and we're about closed here. It says in verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are, and they and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's after the thousand years is over. He's going to finally meet his final doom. You and I have to put up with his onslaughts today. The book of Jude tells us what's going to happen. Let me read it for you. Jude, verse 6. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. That's Jude, verse 6. It's the last chapter of Jude. Anybody get that? It's the last chapter of Jude. It's also the first chapter of Jude. But it's in Jude. But anyway, you see what's happening. And then we get back to our study in the book of uh, Isaiah. Let me give you this quickly and we'll close. It's the, we're about to finish this chapter. There's two verses left. And in verse 22 and verse 23. And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered into the pit and shall be shut up in the prison. That's what we've been talking about, right? The high ones. They shall be shut up in prison. After many days shall they be visited. When it says they shall be visited, it means released. The word means they'll be released. And when it means they'll be released, they'll be found wanting also in the presence of God. And they'll be judged finally and completely. Verse 23 says, Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed. The moon will pale when the glory of the Lord is revealed. And the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion. He's going to rule and reign. And in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. That will be the final outcome of it. (coughs) So at the end of that tribulation, when nations are judged, we've talked about the nations. When people are judged because they've defiled the earth. When the tribulation is all over, at the end of it he's also going to judge Satan. He's going to judge all the high ones. His angels with him. And he's going to judge the kings of the earth. We read of that in Revelation 19. And then he's going to rule and reign gloriously. Look at that. 
Verse 23, The moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his ancients gloriously. There's going to be a glorious reign. The Bible says in the last two chapters of Revelation, we'll find where it says, The Lamb is the light thereof. There was no need of the sun anymore to lighten the earth. The glory of the Lamb of God was the light thereof. You read it. Let me give it to you quickly. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 22. It says, And I saw no temple therein. Wouldn't it be awful not to have a town or a place where there's a church, a holy place, a place of worship? But in that place, there will not be any need because he said, I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. We'll be assembled in the very presence of Almighty God and the Lamb of God. And then what? And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. We talk about Christ being the light of the world. He will actually be the light during that time, in the end of time. And the sun, he'll, he'll have his uh, way of dealing with the elements, all of the elements, because he speaks of the earth remaining even after that time. But as far as his holy city and the very presence of God, we have light in this building. If you were to close all the windows, we have artificial light. But God's light will be so great that it will come from Him. And we'll have no need of the sun. Right now, the sun's not shining, and we still have light. But His light will be far greater than anything man has ever manufactured, because it will be sufficient and complete and totally uh, the right amount of light for us. And He will be the glory of it and the light thereof. Well, thank you for your patience and kind attention. In our next lesson now... Remember, we're going to study about the Lord will preserve His people. We're going to find that they'll have a refuge in chapter 25. And then chapter 26 and 27, the Lord will restore the nation. And this is the real uh, nucleus of the tribulation that's pointed out by Isaiah. And it's all centered in chapters 24, 25.